Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hear that podcast growling Mean and angry Hear those calls shouting It's Dana and Jay Alright, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Yenner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are excited to be with you. Jay, it's a delightful Thursday. We're about to go to Baltimore and eat crab cakes. All That's right. <laughs> One day closer to crab cakes. That's exactly what I was going to say. And maybe, maybe a double dose. Maybe we'll get him in the, in the press box and we will definitely get him Saturday night before the game. Colin crab cake game. We don't know that for sure. I'm people that don't realize that when you go to Baltimore. Uh, they don't give crab cakes out in the uh, in the press box every game. It's got to be a special game. It's got to be a crab cake game. I feel like Sunday night football, Bengals and Ravens. It feels like a game that should be cast as a as a crab cake game. So I, I'm very hopeful. My stomach is as well. The issue, Jeff Zrebeck, who we will hear from later. Uh, told me that they had a it was a crab cake game against Buffalo last week. Oh. But he's he said it's not unheard of for them to do it in back to back games. And you're right, division game, prime time. I think How there's do a you shot. Not reward. We, look, <laughs> Bengals press corps. We're there every every year. We come. All right. Yeah. Thick or thin, prime time <laughs> or not, we're there. Okay. Buffalo, they show up every once in a while. Can't reward them and not reward the Bengals crew coming. <sighs> this has me nervous. All right. <laughs> Either way, we'll get our fill the night before. We will, uh, for which sure. Which I'm very excited about that. Always a great trip. Favorite, favorite AFC North roadie. Um, we've got a bunch to get to. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, Jay Jeff Zrebeck will join us. Uh, that individualized conversation up on the YouTube channel now as a separate uh, that's been up since Tuesday has Jeff talking about uh, what's going on with the Ravens and predictions, but we'll have that here for you inside of this podcast. Um, Thanks for those that are joining us on the YouTube stream. Good to have everybody here uh, watching along. If you have questions uh, or anything you'd like us to try to get to at some point or reference, just drop them in or just want to say hi. We always appreciate that as well. Thanks, everybody that has rated, subscribed. If you haven't, please rate, please subscribe. Do all those things uh, that are very helpful for us. Um, We're going to get to talking a little bit about Lamar Jackson. You're going to hear from Luana Rumo, or you're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we're going to hear from Jamar Chase. Uh, you're, there's been a lot going on down at the stadium, so a lot to get to, a lot of preview of the game, predictions, RPBs, 
Bengals growler bet, all the things you come to expect in our Thursday show are here. Jay, are you ready? I I really like this Bengals growler bet. I I, I had a piece of it, um, and, and then you can't you took it to a new level by adding a second prong. So I mm. I, I think this is really good. I like the second prong. I think it's a yeah. good prong. I'm very excited about it. Uh, so we'll get to that in a minute. Um, let's start out with just a bit of news. There's not a whole lot newsworthy happening with the team right now as far as you know stuff revolving around Sunday. Uh, we see Cam Taylor, Britt, and Khalid Kareem uh, saw their 21-day windows activated so they can um, – come back at any time in the next three weeks, be activated, and they could take Drew Sample's open vacant roster spot. Um, so they're back at practice. Cam Taylor Britt came back to practice by being Lamar Jackson on the scout team. <laughs> so right, Thrown right back into the fire. How about that? I mean, is that the reason they activated him? We talked about on Tuesday's pod that we didn't really think he would be a candidate to be ready yet to to come back and practice after just suffering that core muscle halfway th- injury halfway through camp. Um, but yeah, Puka Williams last year, Cam Taylor Britt this year. You, it's hard to replicate that guy. So yes. I wish, I really do wish we could watch that. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, though, just as a as a side note to this news, do not expect him to have any sort of relevant role in no. the near future. I mean, Luana Rumo talking to him yesterday kind of threw his hands up, like, "Look, I mean, <laughs> the dude's never done anything, anything." <laughs> So to think, you know, you heard the rant on Dax Hill. Uh, pick that times 10 if you want to know the odds uh, of Cam Taylor Britt seeing anything. I think the, the idea is get him practicing, see how that goes. And this week that means being a good Lamar Jackson. So if you want to know how far he is from playing corner on this team, uh, and then let him practice, let him get better. Maybe he he carves out a gunner special teams role or something, you know, and and can work his way in. And then if injuries happen and you have to work him into being a corner, injuries happen and you have to work him into be a corner. But zero expectations that Cam Taylor. But again, we said when this injury happened, it felt like. Red shirt, red shirt uh, a yeah. red shirt uh, type of injury that was just going to ruin this year. Again, barring a bunch of injuries happening in the cornerback room, Dax Hill would be certainly off the bench before he would, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. And Dax Hill can't get off the bench at this point either. So, yes, Correct. it's – Correct. Uh, Khalid Kareem is the other one, so we'll see if maybe he's the one that comes up and if maybe something happens in the back of that room as they look uh, at the edge rusher depth. Um TBD on on what what happens there. They don't have to do anything. I mean, they don't mm-hmm. have enough injuries where the the empty roster spot is going to hurt them. Uh, but it does moving sample does give them the option in case they want to do something with Kareem or CTB at the end of the week. Um, as far as the injury report goes, uh, you know, Evan McPherson showed up limited with a groin injury. I do not get the impression that that's going to be an issue. Um, I mean. If it was, they would have signed a practice squad kicker or, or uh, something to that effect. But you know, I I seem he'll be fine, but just just limited. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the question there is, is it something that occurred in the Miami game, um, and he was he's fighting through, or did something that occurred in practice yesterday, and that's why he was limited because he couldn't finish. Um, but you're right, we would have we we would have I would assume as we record this at ten thirty a.m. we would have 
heard of a, a practice squad kicker being signed if there was any concern at all about yeah keep an eye out Sunday. for that if, if you want to know what the flag meter I don't, I don't have my flags with me. my kids stole my flags <laughs> they're not there's not even a red it's definitely would be the canada version uh yeah. not not the china version of the red flag so i think uh yeah until you see some move where kicker added to practice squad uh zero concern about uh the evan mcpherson situation uh Lyle collins uh, injury, not not injury related, just a just a ref, vet rest day. Zach Taylor basically said that's going to kind of be the case for him. I mean, that's, that's just Wednesdays are probably going to be a, the the art of managing Collins at this point. Um, are going to be taking it easy, and then Thursday and Friday are going to kind of be his practice days. It appears. It is significant though that that it's not nir slash back because if if he's getting treatment at all on his back they have to list that on the injury report so it does seem that the 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 back is not the issue anymore and it is just going to be a, a rest uh vet day for him and and just kind of lighten his load during the week i mean he's he's proved he can go out there and play um with a bad back on a short week so i i think he's trending in the right direction yeah uh the only other bit of you know only other news uh really to come out of yesterday uh, revolved around some things that Joe Burrow talked about. Now, this started um, on his weekly hit with Colin Cowherd. His weekly interview with Colin Cowherd was sort of the conversation moved over to concussions, and he talked about how he's had concussions uh, in games before. Now, at that point on the on the Cowherd interview, it never – uh, crossed over into discussing the NFL. There was a lot of discussion of, you know, when you're in college and high school and things like that. Nothing really got more specific. Um, but during yesterday's press conference, it did. Um, those questions were brought up a little bit more to dive a little bit more in depth into the concussion conversation and his feelings about concussions. And I thought they were interesting, and it's and it's worth us delving into before uh, we talk a little bit about Bengals-Ravens. So here's, here's a, a snippet, here's a portion of Joe Burrow addressing some of the questions about, you know, whether he's had concussions in an NFL game and his thoughts about that. Does that happen in the NFL? Do you know when they can, do you remember when what games that, that's happened where you just have that's kind of had those kind of uh yeah, it's definitely happened. Like uh, in the league? Yeah, for sure. I mean it's happened stuff like that happens all all the time. It's uh I think I'm not exactly I haven't experienced a like I've never had a headache the next day from a concussion, but like I said I've had games high school, college, NFL that you know, maybe I don't remember the next, the rest of the game, but I don't have any side effects other than that. Uh, so I don't know if you would call that a concussion or not, but definitely some kind of head injury for sure. When you, now, that, now that, you know, all the conversation about what happened, what happened to a, and kind of the revamp discussions about it, does, does that maybe affect, maybe, do you think there's going to be more of an emphasis on players to maybe take another look at it? I know it's been a decade since it was really in the spotlight, but do you feel like maybe players are now going to look at some of these things maybe a little bit deeper than they had prior to what happened to them? Yeah, I think it'll be very individualized depending on the person. Um, you know, for me, if I can go back out there and play, I'm going to go back out there and play. Uh, if I can do anything I can to help the team, that's what I'm going to do. Um, obviously, if I feel like I have concussion, I'm not going to go back out there. But, uh, you know, this is a violent game that, you know, I think we signed up for, you know, we signed up for the knee injuries and the arm injuries and the whole thing. We get paid handsomely for it. Um, you know, you got to take the head injuries very seriously. Somebody goes down. You have to take a look at them, but you know I've never experienced a, 
a concussion like that where I'm just knocked out. Uh, if I do, I'm definitely going to take it very cautiously and present. If I present symptoms, I'm going to go and tell the training staff, and I'm going to get myself out of there. I mean, this went on uh, a little bit more and delved on into a few other topics uh, that were that are kind of connected, and, and it was all a very interesting conversation. And you know, to me, Jay, the the perspective of this is Burrow's not wrong. At this point, players know what they're signing up for. They 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 should they should know the stories they should know the risks they should have heard about the junior sales of the world and and so many of what we've seen uh cte become uh the pa warns them is cautious with them there is an aspect of they do know what they're signing up for and they're willing to do it as he said we're paid handsomely for this the tough – I don't think Burrow's wrong you know, in what he's saying. I mean this is his perspective. He's allowed to feel however he wants to. All these guys know the risks they're taking on. The, the, the problem is you know, one aspect of the rationale here that I think a responsibility falls on the league and the PA and, and the teams is – to help them understand that, you know, there was a lot of talk, well, it looks like two is going to be okay with no long-term effects. And I've never had anything where I've felt like there's any long-term effects. That's, that's the problem. The long-term effects, you don't know you have them until 10 yep. years, 15 years down the line. And that's when your brain ends up being a problem. And you see things like what happened with Junior Seau. And you've seen things that have happened with so many of these guys that have CTE and end up going – um, and seeing terrible things happen to them, themselves, their families. They end up either committing suicide or there's drug. We've seen so much of this stuff. And, and when you hear these crazy things of guys in their 30s or who are 40 and all, how that happened, and it ends up always, you know, almost always coming back, you know, they had CTE. Um, it's a tough conversation because, you know, everybody in the league has to, come to terms with this is what the league is this is part of this league and the players most of them say okay i'm willing to take that risk where does the responsibility lie who does it lie with those are all tough parts of this conversation i respect any burrow's opinion on it look i'm willing to take that risk at what point do other people have to come in and say no one should be having to take this risk on well and that's the thing that Yes, the the long term is is very concerning. Uh, the the short term, you heard Burrow say it. If I feel like I have a concussion, I'm not going to go back in. How many times are these guys told they have a concussion and they don't think they do? They don't feel it. They want to go back in. And you've got jobs and careers and money on the line, especially when you're talking about quarterbacks. And you know, are, is this going to swing the other way where? Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but we're going to pull him from the game to be safe. Can, can the league go that route? I mean, they they let Tua come back in, and yeah, that the the doctor got fired, and by all accounts, that seems like that was the wrong decision. But you 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 saw how well Tua played, even after coming back into that game. If he did have a concussion, it, I, that's where I wonder is. It, are they going to go – is it going to swing so far the other way where it's – they're pulling guys from a game for a maybe 
because health and safety is so important and, and you do have to worry about long-term careers and health, but it, it you, you, anytime there's something like the Tua situation, there's always a little bit of an overreaction. Yes, things needed to change. That needed to be addressed. But that's that's my concern is it's going to go the other way and, and they're going to start not just quarterbacks, but anybody pulling any kind of head hit where he's he's pace, he's passing the basic test that they give a guy. But they're like, ah, they're, we're still not 100 percent sure. Let's just pull him from the game. And that's you know, I, I don't think Joe Burrow wouldn't want that. I, I, I don't think most players would want that. And I just I, I have a feeling that we're going to see that very soon. That the all, guys are well, be- I don't know. I mean, all you can do, there's a protocol in place for a reason. This is why the protocol exists. I think that it's fair for them to revisit the protocol in the offseason or mm-hmm. even sooner. If you want to revisit what the protocol is, that's fine. I, I think adding an, another independent neurologist, adding somebody with a different angle, whether it be someone who watches the tape up, so like uh, with the replay people, ha- have two of those people that are involved. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if anybody says they didn't like what they saw, pull them they can pull them but if 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 one independent neurologist and a second independent neurologist and the team medical staff all clear somebody i don't know what else you can do other than have experts in place who are independent to make these decisions you know and you have you know the scary thing is because because the players aren't going to i mean burrow says look i i've had games in the nfl where i don't remember half the game or some of the game i mean i can tell you which game that was it was the green bay game last mm-hmm. year he was out on the field. I mean, when he took that hit diving and and came off and he came back in, he passed the, he passed the test, passed the protocol, was cleared and came back in and then then turns out you don't really remember the game the next day. I mean, I I don't you know, when you look at games that he's played in, and maybe there's others. I mean, he basically he's made it suggest that there's more than that. That's the most obvious one that you can remember that he played in. I mean, where that was like he was out. We all thought Burrow's out on the field you know, cold, um, and, and ended up coming back in. So I, I wasn't, I don't know. I was surprised to hear him say that, uh, especially with a a plural, but you know, I'm not surprised when you consider the, the damage that these guys take and, and the way, you know, if guys want to go back in, they can, they want to withhold symptoms for the most part they can, um, I hope I just hope that more players don't withhold symptoms, you know, but that that's like you said, Jay, that's a hard thing to ask of guys who have so much money on the line every game, every week, every snap. They're trying to make money to last them the rest of their lives. And I wouldn't worry as much about the Joe Burrows of the world doing it uh, as I would, you know, the guys that I got the know that they got three years of making this money and that's mm. it. I mean, Burrow knows he'll make his money. He can miss games, take care of himself. Guys that have gotten their deals are going to get their deals. But when you start getting into, I mean, I understand those guys being like, I got to get back out there. The others. It, well, two things. It's not just the, the, the player salaries. It legalized gambling is a billion dollar industry. It, you don't think some games are going to change. The, the money's going to change hands. If a, if a quarterback is pulled from a game, the other thing is, not making an accusation here, but I, it does make you wonder it, that Green Bay game you talked about. Burrow came back, finished the game, then went to the hospital. It yeah. was his throat contusion 
a Tua's back situation where maybe it was misdiagnosed and it was reported as something else. I mean, if he didn't remember parts of that game, it, it, it seems that that's almost the definition of a concussion right there. He looked out on the field. He doesn't remember part of the game. Did they fail him in that game by letting him finish it? But if you, if the independent neurologist clears you and says you're fine, I I mean, that's just, that's what I mean. Did the doctor fail him by say clearing him and saying he's fine, but you don't, I mean, if if that, what's the test? I mean, that's just it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the league needs a reexamination of this and and maybe finding other ways to be more specific, more cautious, maybe, maybe a finer tooth combed with these tests, but there's only so much you can do. So a lot of this does fall back on the players. And I think that's the crux of what Burrow's talking about. And that was important to what Burrow was talking about was that it does fall on the players. I mean, Mm -hmm. you gotta, if you have symptoms or you don't feel right, you've got to speak up. And you've got to say something. I that's hard. That is hard. These players are put in a tough spot, and I just it, there's only so much you can do other than have than see the to the opinion of experts who don't have a side in this thing. That's the important part. That's the important part. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, bog down this entire podcast on this topic. But you know, I thought it was really interesting conversation from Burrow yeah. and perspective, and worth addressing um, as you know, just something to keep an eye on as we go forward and think about. Uh, you know, um, when you see even bigger hits. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. We're going to talk Bengals Ravens now. Um, If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can watch the entire interview that Jay does with our guy in Baltimore, Jeff Zriebeck, up on there. Uh, But for those of us listening, traditional podcast platform, uh, let's bring in Jay and Jeff Zriebeck. Jeff, how are you? Good, good, Jay. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm really intrigued by this game. it, It seems like... Uh, not that long ago that Baltimore was considered one of the one of the toughest places to play in the league and now an, an unprecedented five game home losing streak and 
Uh, for Bengals fans that may not know, the, the Ravens in their first 25 years of existence uh, only lost three games where they led by 17 points or more. Two were to the Bengals. Uh, now they've done it in two of the last three. So I'm just curious, is there is there a common theme in these blown leads to the Dolphins and, and then last week against the Bills, or they've been kind of standing on their own? Yeah, you know, I, I'd say it's it, there's been three elements to them, uh, Jay. There's been one of them is the offense gets up and it just doesn't finish teams off. You, you know, if they keep scoring in either of those games – then, you know, the other team's not coming back. And, and, you know, whether they got conservative a little or they made a couple mistakes, you know, against the Bills, you know, they, Lamar threw two interceptions on his final two drives. That that obviously opened the door there, and they had to punt a few other times. Um, they're just not, you know, they, they get ahead, and they're having a hard time kind of just finishing teams off. Defensively, Look, this goes back a little longer than this year. It, you know, they have they've struggled for a couple years and and you you've seen it for your own eyes, you know. Everyone remembers Tyler Boyd. Um, but they've struggled for for several years now late in games to to avoid giving up big plays and and to convert, you know, to you know, put away games, you know. When they're it used to be back in the day that when their defense was on the field late in the game, you could almost book it. You know, they were the closer. The offense, you know, the offense, Ravens offense wasn't the closer. It was always the Ravens defense. But obviously this is a different NFL. Um, you know, it's much harder for defenses nowadays. And and we're a long way away from, you know, defenses dominating like old Ravens defenses used to. But uh, that also doesn't excuse it. It, it. You know, like they need to do a much better job late in games of stopping people. And and, and then the third element is John Harbaugh and some of the coaching decisions. He, he's been yeah. very aggressive, uh, you know, whether it's going for two-point conversion in the win or going for it on fourth down rather than kicking field goals. Um, you know, look, his aggressive mentality has sort of benefited them far more than it's hurt them, uh, um, I'd say. But, you know, we remember the ones late in the game when they don't work. And, and that's sort of what he's dealing with now. And um, I, I think he's going to have to find, uh, you know, sort of a he's going to have to, you know, consider some of this stuff and some of the past recent failures when, when he makes that decision again. I know he wants to be aggressive, but. You know, in each of these situations, they got what they wanted and they just didn't execute. You know, like they had two wide open receivers in that fourth down against Buffalo and Lamar just didn't see him. So it's hard to kill the play call. It's hard to really kill the decision. But at some point, if the players are not executing in those spots, you have to consider doing something different. You know, it's interesting because. If, if Harbaugh kicks the field goal there, who's to say the Bills don't just go right down and score know, a touchdown? Yeah. It seemed like they moved on him pretty easy. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and and they were on – yeah, since the end of the second quarter, that Ravens defense was on skates, Jay. Yeah. Uh, they were – Bills were getting pretty much whatever they wanted. But you also have to look at it as, look, that was a nasty day. The field was wet. There's a lot of drops. Anything could have happened, you know, a tipped ball and you're off the field, a fumble and you're off the field. Uh, but that's the thing. There's always all these ifs. The problem is the Ravens aren't getting it done late in games. And, um, you know, it's sort of it's become a thing now. And they've earned that. They've earned that scrutiny because they're not closing games. But it, it makes them very difficult to sort of, you, you know, gauge just because for three quarters, they absolutely toyed and destroyed Miami, you know, dominated them. 
for about a half, they absolutely took it to Buffalo and were the better of the team. And I think the Bills may well be the most balanced team in the AFC. Um, so you see the moments, you see flashes where they look as good as anybody. And then you see these times in the fourth quarter where the offense can't stay off the field and the defense can't get off it. And it's just not been a good combination, obviously. Yeah, they they lead the league and t- takeaways with 10. Yeah. Uh, they're they're thirtieth in first downs allowed. It's just they, they and they're eighth in third down percentage defensively. It just it doesn't really seem to jive. Um, I'm I'm curious though. But while we're talking about the defense, what you know, Bengals put up forty one on them in two games yeah. last year. Uh, Wink Martindale leaves. Mike McDonald comes in. What what have you seen? What what's the biggest difference between Wink's defense and, and what Mike's running? Yeah, you know, I, I I think they've been a little less aggressive. They're playing – they've been playing – you know, I, I haven't checked the numbers after Sunday, Jay, but they've been playing zone uh, about 10% more um, heading into last week. I'd have to go back and, and, and see exactly how the numbers – but so heading into week four, they're playing zone about 10%, a little over 10% more than they had been under Wink. Um, you know, he's sort of a little – less aggressive at times with blitzes and they've had more DBs on the field because that's kind of been their strength. They've been lacking in linebackers, Um, you know, but the other thing from a negative standpoint, we just haven't seen them get as many free runners at the quarterback. I I, I mean, for you look at what even what Wink's doing in New York. I I mean, they're they've a shell of the talent that they had with the Ravens and, uh, you know, he's getting off the field on third downs and they're getting free runners at the quarterback. And that's not something we're seeing as much, um, you, you know, with Mike McDonald. There, there's, you know, it's it's just four game in, you know, it's just four yeah. games in. So I don't want to say anybody's on the hot seat. That's ridiculous. But there's certainly becoming more and more scrutiny on Mike McDonald. And it's only going to get more uh, given this matchup, what the Bengals did to the Ravens last year. And then waiting in the wings the following week is the Giants, who just happen to be coached by Wink Martindale. <laughs> so, uh, you know, coordinated by Wink Martindale. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Uh, Mike McDonald has had kind of a tough start, and he certainly has a lot of pressure on him. About offensively, you know, Lamar in in the conversation for MVP with with most people. Um, how well is he playing right now? You, you talk about the offense not really being able to finish, but it, is he right on par with where he was in his MVP season? Have, have have you seen? Is there any growth? Is there any difference to his game this year that maybe you hadn't seen in the past? Yeah, I, I think he's been more now. Again, this is another thing. I think last. Last Sunday, I don't think he – Lamar seems to struggle a little bit in the elements. I mean, we've seen it a good bit, you know, and a lot of quarterbacks too. But um, he, you know, he didn't seem all that comfortable uh, Sunday. And I think a lot of it was, you know, the Bills, you know, were just getting a lot of pressure on him. And, you know, they, they do that, you know, with their defense. So um, – but, no, I, I think he's throwing the ball more consistently – um, you know, I, I think we've seen that, I, you know, he's been a little more active before the snap, um, in making quicker decisions last year. I, I, I think, you know, with all the struggles they had against the blitz, um, you know, I think that a lot of that fell on Lamar. He just wasn't making quick decisions. Mm. He's been much better and much smarter this year. He's just destroyed the blitz. I, I mean, that's he's been I think he was the number one quarterback heading into this past week against the blitz. Um, he's just done a really nice job there. Um, you know, 
I don't know. You know, like he's he's having to shoulder more of the burden than ever before. Uh, you know, it, it kind of reminded me early last year when they had all the injuries and he still had him as the number one seed in the AFC heading into December. And then he got hurt and it sort of was, a you know, a house of cards. But, uh, you know, he's playing at a pretty high level. I don't think he played particularly well Sunday. Uh, but otherwise, he has a lot on him, and, and I would say he's, you know, he's right there with 2019 uh, in terms of how productive he's been and how well he's playing. I mean, 37 rushes, he's averaging eight and a half per carry. How much of that is him escaping pressure, and how much is that design run that 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 they've liked to use so much in the past? Yeah, you know, a, a lot of it's this, you know, scrambling, but there's also mm. been some design runs. It's just. You know, a major difference, Jay, and we saw it last year, is they just haven't had the horses in the backfield that people are scared of, you know? Like, there's no Mark Ingram closer to his prime there, and Gus Edwards is the number two piece. And, you know, Justice Hill, uh, excuse me, J.K. Dobbins is back, played two games. But, you know, as you know, and one of the things when we, you know, whether it was whip around or when I, I talked to you guys, it's, you know, my biggest concern about with the Ravens were they were depending so much on guys coming off major injuries. And, and yeah. J.K. Dobbins is there. J.K. Dobbins is back, but the pre-J.K. Dobbins before the injury is not. Now, I'll give the guy all the credit in the world. He's battling. He's he's contributing. He's getting tough yards. He scored two touchdowns. He's helped out in the passing game a little bit. Uh, you know, the guy's given it everything they have, but he's just not moving as well laterally. I don't think he's been as assertive as a running back. Um, you know, you saw, you see a couple plays where, wow, if the pre JK Dobbins, you know, had that play, he might still be running. Meanwhile, it's been kind of a moderate gain for the current JK Dobbins. And that's not a criticism of him. I think they knew that he just has to work get get back i mean we're all seeing it with saquon barkley now right yeah. uh the second year back he's a different player i think that will be the case with 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 uh, dobbins as of now he's contributing but you know now they're going to need you know him to carry even more of a load you know justice hill uh we we're i was looking forward to the brother versus brother stories uh jay with dax hill this week <laughs> but I, we're probably not going to get those because it looks like justice hill will be out and he was he was really he really was kind of giving them a little bit of a jump start, you know, just clearly the most explosive guy they had. But he pulled his hamstring there in the fourth quarter. Wasn't it's not a serious pull, Harbaugh said, but you know, with hamstrings, very rarely yeah. guys play the next week. So they're gonna have to find another mix. Gus Edwards probably will be back at practice this week, but I can't see him playing after this long of an absence after three practices. I think he'll have a, a bit of a ramp up period. So, uh, you know, we'll see, but I think Lamar is needing to do a little more running than he'd probably prefer, uh, just because he's their most explosive option uh, with the ball in his hand and guys like. You know, Kenyon Drake and, and and Mike Davis really aren't really big threats to defenses. Even if Justice Hill were to play, the the brother versus brother relationship would yeah. be Dax Hill waving to him from the <laughs> sideline because Dax has only played fourteen snaps all year. They just they they've got ten of eleven starters back on defense, and and Lou trusts the communication with the guys they got out there. And I think they drafted Dax to replace Jesse Bates next year, not to <laughs> to play as much of a role this year. So it's been really surprising. Um, you, you kind of answered two questions there with one, cause I was going to ask what kind of dimension Dobbins brought to the, to the game, to the offense. And I guess it's not quite there yet, but, yeah. uh, receiver wise, you know, Bateman, Duvernay, they're not household names, no. but 
they're, they're putting up numbers. Is are, are are they getting better? Is Lamar kind of yeah? Is Lamar helping them along where they're kind of minimizing their limitations? I, I you know, there's so much questions about this receiving group, and rightly so. They just they just don't have that accomplished veteran there. They're depending yeah. on a, a lot of first, second, and third year guys who really have never really done it in terms of putting together a productive NFL season. Um, you know, I think they could use somebody to emerge as a, another one, you know, another complimentary guy. I mean, we all know Andrews is the guy here, right? Yeah. And, and and Bateman Bateman was doing pretty well. He was giving him a big play element uh, in a lot of ways. And, and I think he was kind of, uh, you know, he was a good breakout candidate for the season, but – We'll see. I, I, I he got hurt Sunday. He dropped three passes. He got hurt. Um, you know, he left the stadium in a walking boot. Harbaugh says it's a foot injury. You know, I, when you leave a stadium with a walking boot that's halfway up your leg, that certainly calls into question whether you're going to be ready in six days. So yeah. um, we'll have to see about him. He'd be a loss though because he's he's a good route runner. He's he's fighting it a little bit with his hands in recent games, but he's still a playmaker. You know, he scored on a 75 yard. He's had two really long touchdowns this year. So uh, he was it was arrow was pointing up definitely until Sunday, and and Duvernay's probably been their biggest surprise. Uh, you know, the guy was an All Pro returner, so it's not like he came out of nowhere. But they were saying who's going to be that number two wide receiver, and and Lamar and Duvernay have really developed a good rapport this year. Um, you know, I think Duvernay has what three touchdowns as a receiver and one as a returner. So, um, he's really emerged here in his third season, getting more opportunities, but after them and Mark Andrews, it's just, there's just not a whole lot there. The, the rookie tight end from coastal Carolina, Isaiah likely who had a great preseason, he just hasn't found his way in the offense yet. And James Prochet and, and Demarcus Robinson have just been used sparingly. So, yeah, they're especially short there. And, and if Bateman can't play Sunday, uh, coupled by Justice Hill probably not playing, let's, they're losing two of the guys that have been their biggest playmakers for the first four weeks of the season. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to put you in a tough spot here because there are questions about these guys, who's going to play. It's early yeah, in the yeah. week, but I I am curious. I'd like to to get a prediction from you for for Sunday's game. Sure. I, you know, um, I uh, Sunday changed a little things for me. Now, I picked the Bills to win, and the Bills won. I mean, the Ravens did show me something until not being able to close the game. Um, but given the question marks about the guys coming off injury and the fact that the Bengals – um, you know, are playing really good defense. And, uh, you know, Joe Burrow just has the making of a guy that's just going to be a thorn in the Ravens' side for a long time. And, and he seems to relish that. Now, look, he's going to be a thorn in a lot of team side, mm -hmm. you, you know, and, and I'm not buying that they're going to continue to struggle offensively. Uh, I think that just the mere sight of the Ravens is going to let, you know, is going to get them pumped. So I'm going to pick the Bengals as of now just because of, if there's no Bateman and there's no Justice Hill, they can obviously devote a ton of resources to Andrews and to stopping Lamar's legs and stopping him from running. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to move the ball consistently enough if you take those two elements away. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting, though, Jay. You, you brought it up. They've lost five straight home games by a total of 12 points. Uh, um, it's an angry Baltimore crowd it'll be an angry crowd that Sunday night you know I think teams are fans are kind of fed up about this blowing leads 
Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we know what the Bengals did to him last year. There's an embarrassment factor there. So, uh, and then you throw in the night game and people have an all day could be a pretty volatile yeah. environment on, on on Sunday night. So we'll see. But uh, I'd like to know more about who's going to play and who isn't. But at this point, I'd have to lean towards the Bengals, uh, you know, given what the Ravens have. Well, it will not be an angry presence for me in the press box. I will be <laughs> happy and full of crab cakes and very happy to see you and get caught up in person. And uh, appreciate you coming on the pod today, Jeff. My pleasure, Jay. Always enjoy talking to you. Safe travels to Baltimore Sunday. All right, let's just take a quick break. Jay, what did you think of that conversation? I was I was surprised, um, but not down. But he, I, I thought this was a big lift them getting J.K. Dobbins back, and he said he just doesn't look like himself. That he's still laterally not as quick, and I, I thought that was interesting because they've got some injuries in the run game, and I thought having him back would would kind of stabilize that and, and give them another weapon. They've, I mean. Bateman and Duvernay are, are ascending young guys are not household names yet, but um, it, it, this isn't the cast of who's that, that the Ravens have had. You've got Mark Andrews and, and I thought JK Dobbins could be a real weapon in this game. And I don't know, Jeff just sounded like he was, he was not going to be um, that big of a threat. So we'll see. There's, there's a lot of ways the, the, the Bengals, a lot of things the Bengals are going to have to defend. And if, if they sell out on all those other pieces, I still think, uh, even a not 100% Dobbins could have a big day. You're just an Ohio State homer who just thinks J.K. Dobbins <laughs> is so great. You're so predictable, Jay. Well, I mean, there's a lot of Buckeyes on that Bengals defense that I, I think uh, could could shut J.K. Dobbins down. Sure, because yeah. they're all the superior talents on the field, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just I, I do. I, I love that pick when they when they picked him in the second round in 2020 and he hasn't really been able to to get going. And um, the slow start this year missed the first two games. He came back and maybe that's why they did bring him back when they did, because they, they had such a need at running back. They have so much on Lamar right now. I mean, yeah. they they are. It is Superman cape every week. And it and he's he's flying. Like, I mean, there's no doubt Lamar is playing his ass off, but uh, you also have now is Bateman going to play? He was, uh, uh, you know, he had the boot and he was not practicing yesterday. So, I mean, without him, which I was talk about people you were a fan of in the draft. I loved Rashad Bateman in the draft. I thought he was a great would have been a great fit here potentially uh and just anywhere he was go thought he was going to do great but he's he's kind of you know he started to show that as he's now been able to play this year um but without him that's that's a that's a big piece that they would be missing is they're already not super talented at receiver even those those guys have been productive a lot of it's been lamar centric the question is can the Bengals do a and Lou Anarumo do a good job of containing Lamar Jackson. For the most part, they have. It's never in games that they've played recently since they've actually had talent on their defense. It's worthwhile and not getting spun into Nick Vigil memedom. Uh, <laughs> it is, you know, they have seem to have a good recipe for containing. You're never going to stop them, right? I mean, but they they have done a decent job. Can they continue to do that? Um, you know, when we had Lou Anarumo in the room uh, yesterday talking about this, 
I mean, every time Lamar's name was mentioned, I felt like he did the same thing. He did this, like, just look down and head shake of, like, this guy <laughs> has been ruining my week. I have just been having to watch this stuff over and over again. And you just, there's going to be some plays that you throw your hands up and say, Lamar did a thing, right? Like, that's part of it. Here's a little bit of Lou Anarumo uh, on talking about Lamar Jackson. Cheeto was talking about the arm strength that Lamar has, and they, and they combine that with the accuracy yeah. and the arm angles he throws from. Yeah. Um, what do you see on tape about that and why that's yeah. so important? It's, all, it's, it's very unique uh, to the position. And, you know, he gets himself out of trouble, and then there may be a D lineman in front of him, and he'll just almost like a pitcher, a sidearm or a three-quarter where he, he knows he's got to get the ball in a certain window and he's able to do it, like Cheeto said, with not only accuracy and how far it goes, but he has you know touch on it as well when he needs to. So there's a reason why he is who he is. What's the difference between him and the other mobile quarterbacks like Kyler and even like Mahomes? Like what it, what makes Lamar like even more different? Yeah, I, I've always said those other guys are great quarterbacks also, obviously, but I've always said that when Lamar steps on the field, he feels like he's the best athlete on the field at any position and that he can do anything physically. Um, at all positions. So I, I, I think that that's kind of separates him where he knows he has such confidence in his ability, as he should, um, that he can just kind of get out of trouble that maybe then those other guys can too, but he can maybe get out of a little bit more trouble and, and still have that strong arm to get it down the field. So, um, you know, he's, he's, again, league MVP for a reason, and, and it shows. Do you feel like he's playing maybe above that 2019 level? On, on the numbers-wise, it looks like he's yeah. I mean, he might be up there. Yeah, he's playing terrific. You know, and, and uh, you know, when the crunch time, he's going to keep the ball. And, you know, it, it, he, he just puts so much pressure on the defense because you could have the initial play covered, and it's the second part and the third part of the play that you worry about where guys uncover because it's hard to cover anybody for an extended amount of time, especially their talented receivers. So um, it, it's team defense as always. You know, we got to try to do our best as every team that plays this, this group says, keep them in the pocket, keep them in the pocket. But that's easier said than done. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll do our best. And, and, uh, and again, but team defense will be a big part of it. If he's extending plays, it becomes harder to be successful for us. That's been, that's been something you've been good at, you know, towards the end of last year. I think that's something, especially when you Should I knock on wood again? Somebody made me. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I mean, so why do you think y'all were so good at that last year, and, and what, what makes you feel good that you can replicate that Well, success? when you get a lead, um, you know, it, it turns any team into pretty much a one-dimensional deal. The, one, of the, one of the many reasons why the Ravens are so good is they force you to handle all of the runs that they have at a big people, little people, um, and then, oh, by the way, the play actions and the drop back. So when you get ahead and they just have to throw it, you can do different things to um, to maybe offset that part of it. But, you know, when you're playing 50-50 game, it, it becomes that much harder. The fact that you guys haven't given up a touchdown in the second half, is it a statistic anomaly? Or is there something about your guys that they can – they can rise up and be at their best when it matters the most. Uh, I, I like to think it's the latter, you know, where they're they're you know um, get a feel for the game and you know, and then kind of buckle down as as the thing goes. But um, as I always go back to, it, I think it's just a, a an example of guys playing good team defense, executing the plan, and um, you know, like it's going to be no different this weekend. Like we can practice all we want out here and try to simulate their offense, but it's going to be at hyper speed on Sunday night. And it takes, like I think 
maybe one of the Bills coaches or players maybe had said that that man you, you know you got to settle into this game now that doesn't mean give up points hopefully um, but it's going to be moving at warp speed and, and we got to make sure that we can adjust to it quickly um, and then hopefully we'll settle down as it goes hopefully hopefully we get off to a great start um, um, trust me I'm not one to get behind but um, but it but it does happen that much faster uh, you know whether it's arm angles, whether it's taken off, whether it's, you know, hitting balls on outside the numbers, which has been, you know, a knock on him. Uh, there's been a lot of that. And he's been, you know, he's he's been really successful. Uh, you know, I, I do think they have drafted and have a defense that is built to contradict this. Mm-hmm. You know, they do a good job. You know, without DJ Reader, it hurts because you, you love him stopping their run, the Baltimore runs up the middle that they like to try to play off of Lamar, whether it's zone read or whatever. Um, but they've done an okay job in there. But the rest of the guys, they have the versatile, solid, reliable tackling outside players. They have the speed at linebacker, whether it's ADG, obviously Logan Wilson, you know, if he can be in, and their corners uh, and safeties are really good tacklers. And, you know, that is, I think, a big reason why they've been able to keep Lamar a little bit hemmed in and they're going to hope to do it again. You know, I've got a story coming up later today on on their their plan for Lamar and what they did last year. And, you know, you look back on that game that they won at Baltimore in week seven, 41, 17, and you think they they did a great job against Lamar in that game. Right. Eight. He ran for 88 yards and threw for 260 in that game, yeah. and they it still feels like they did a great job on him. And you're right. They they had eight tackles for loss in that game. That's the most in the Lou Anarumo era. They 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 did a really good job, and they're still going to get you. And exactly what happened in that game is what Lou Anarumo is talking about needs to happen Sunday night is where this they can't play from behind. That They need the complimentary football. They need – the Bengals offense to start fast, get out to a lead. The it's going to take a while for the defense to settle in because it takes a while to get used to the the uniqueness of that offense, the speed of that offense. They've been so good in the second half, but they need to get to that second half. Um, I just you, you look back at that game last year. Uh, ADG played great in that game. It was it was Trey Flowers' debut as a Bengal. Um, after the Seahawks cut him, he only played 14 snaps in that game, but they did a great job on Mark Andrews. He only had three catches on seven targets in that game, and that was ADG and Trey Flowers splitting time. I think we're going to see a lot more of Trey Flowers in this one. Um, it is. It's a, it's a case where you can feel like you did a great job on Lamar Jackson, and and he's still going to put up numbers. It's there, there's no shutting this team completely down, and they're gonna they're gonna need to get better as the game goes on, and they're gonna need some help from their offense if they're gonna win it. Something Jeff referenced, uh, which revolved around the controversial uh, and failure on fourth down and the goal line, was look, I mean. They're not executing it. It's the play. The call is one thing. It's that guys were open and Lamar didn't see them. And they're not, when they do make these two point conversion decisions or fourth down, go for it, and fourth and goal, go for it, that we've seen have been huge talking points of the Harbaugh era. You know, they've also had this other side of it is, yeah, but they're not converting them. They're not <laughs> executing. They're not, you know, if it, if it's about the analytics and the numbers of the 50%, you're going to score 50 and 50% of the time you're going to fail. I feel like it seems like those numbers are the problem that those are off. And so this Bengals team, so stout in goal to go, so stout in red zone, done such a good job of forcing field goals, I think, again, will be part of this conversation is 
how many Lamar's going to get yards. They're going to get yards. And Lou Anarumo will repeat it every time we sit down with them. <laughs> I care about points, not yards. Okay. I don't want to give up a bunch of yards, but I care about points. You saw it in the Dolphins game uh, where it's it's about bowing up when you have the opportunity to force field goals and have Justin Tucker be the Baltimore story and not Lamar Jackson or, you know, or DuVernay or any of the other guys. And so that's, to me, going to end up being a huge part of where this game turns is when Lamar gets him down there, will he be able to execute? Will he see the guy and be able to make the play? Will he run? Will he make the guy miss? Will they get in the end zone? Or will it be another story of this Bengals defense doing what they do as better than anybody in the league right now and that is not allow touchdowns yeah or missed assignments I, I could see them kind of taking a page out of that the second half of that kansas city game in the afc championship game only rushing three dropping a lot of guys back and and you've got speed at linebacker that you can you can contain lamar without actually pinning him in the pocket um it's just there's a lot of different ways they can go with this and it's it's going to be interesting to see what lou goes with and does he stick with it or is this another case of what we saw in the playoff run last year where, where they're making big changes at halftime? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've seen them. That's what happens, right? Is they've gotten knocked back on a number of occasions at the Bengals defense. That's been one thing they've gotten knocked back. They've struggled early in games occasionally, but mm-hmm. then they've, they have always seemed to right the ship and find their way. Jay, right. Only them and Denver still only teams without allowing a second half touchdown. I, I think it's remember. the Bears. Or Bears, excuse me. Yes, Bears, yeah. not Broncos. A different B. Uh, <laughs> but the Bears, only only teams to not allow a second-half touchdown this year, you know, through four weeks. It was one of multiple knocks on wood that we got from Luan Rumo yesterday as they approach this game, and we'll see if that's a streak that they can keep going, especially on a Baltimore team that has not been able to put people away, right? They have not been yes. able to get the points to put people away in the second half of games, and that's allowed for those two comebacks that you've seen from Buffalo and Miami that have marred their schedules and both of their losses. All right, on the flip side, let's dive into that real quick. This Ravens defense has had problems gelling. Can I <laughs> – is that a polite way of saying it? You know, the M.A.'s – and dudes running free in the in and looking like guys don't know what they're doing back there in their new reformed secondary has been an issue. And here comes the team that threw for four hundred plus and five hundred plus on them in the two games last year, both blowouts. Can this reformed secondary that I think was reformed because of those two games show that they can come together enough and slow the Bengals passing game down? Yeah. I mean it's it's interesting that they they're the new defense coordinator, Mike McDonald, is not blitzing as much and it's not like he's turned it off they're still the ravens but it's more in the 22 23 percent range than the 45 46 percent range that, the, that you're used to seeing and it's almost it, it was kind of a, a blitz joe burrow at your own peril situation last year so um i, I think that's going to be the biggest change you've got really good i mean joe burrow said it yesterday that the best cornerbacks in the league humphrey and peters um they're they're not going to travel they play sides so um we'll see what they do they they were really the first team last year to kind of try to take that deep ball away from from jamar chase and we saw what they did they just hit him underneath and let him run through the secondary for 201 yards and afc player the offensive player of the week um it, it it feels it's almost like Jamar Chase is in that Lamar Jackson mode now where it feels like he's been totally contained because you haven't seen these explosions the last few weeks. But you look and his numbers are still 
I mean, he had some stretches last year in that incredible year where, where he wasn't putting up the production he has the, the, the last few weeks here. So it is it another big T Higgins game or do they get Jamar going? Is it a Tyler Boyd game? Is it Hayden Hurst going back to Baltimore and beating his former team? I just, I, we talked on Tuesday. I went the opposite of Mo. I, I think this is an over game. I, I really do. As good as these defenses are, I, I think we're, we're going to see some points on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, this is the point in the season, I think, where some of the offenses do start to mm-hmm. start to get some rhythm going and 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 overcome this the sluggish starts, especially with teams that don't play in the preseason anymore. The offense is always going to be a little far behind, so maybe this is the week that that happens. I we shall see. I, I do, you know, I will be curious to see how much man coverage they're willing to play <laughs> after what happened last year, especially even to Marlon Humphrey. I mean, that was a big part of it was was Jamar just roasting Marlon Humphrey in the, in man to man. Uh, under McDonald, they've played more zone, as as Jeff pointed out. Um, not a ton, though. I mean, they're still they're still doing it, and they're still blitzing it a decent amount. They're one of the top blitzing teams. One of the, still one of the top cover zeros. I mean, it's not going to happen all the time, but you're going to see it. And uh, you know, they're not as aggressive as the Dolphins have been and were. Um, and the Bengals would take whatever the hell that mm. Dolphins game plan was over and over again. Uh, but you know, they've done a decent job stopping the run. So I don't expect that to be the breakout week for Mixon in the in the awful run game, but um, you know I do think they feel like they can still take advantage of throwing the ball down the field on Baltimore. I think they'll get theirs in in in, in a certain you know probably in a pretty big way. Um, let's drop into talking a little bit about uh, well we'll get the predictions and growler bets run past her boot here in a second. Let's talk Arby's J. All oh, right, you love that. I do. Any related Bengals insights, extras, stories, otherwise known as Arby's? What do you got? Any curlies for me? So, I was I was asking guys about that game at Baltimore last year, and if that was the affirmation that they really could be something special. And then, you know, it. A lot of them said it was, but then you look at it, and they they lost two games after that. They lost to the Jets and the Browns after that. And so we were talking to Jamar Chase yesterday, and I asked if if maybe there was a lesson to be learned about that, about how to handle these big wins. Um, and he, he had a, he had a strange answer and then kind of a cynical laugh. And I, I don't need, I can't even really, it's just better just to play it. I, I, I want to get your thoughts. What is this laugh about? Is he, is he saying I dismissed your question or is he laughing that haha, I had a shitty game? I just I don't get where this laugh comes from. So, let, so let's play the clip. Going back to that game in Baltimore last year, guys have said that was the game when you guys really knew this could be a special team. Right. But then you guys turn around and lose two in a row after that. Was there was there a lesson there as far as maybe the even kill aspect or not taking a not riding a win too long? Yeah. Who do we lose to us? Cleveland and the Jets. We played horrible Jets game, Cleveland game. I played horrible. Um, so who knows? We could have had. I could have probably had two, three touchdowns. Um, so one, one thing. That's, <laughs> one thing that <laughs> I do like his laugh in general. I do. I love Funny. his laugh. But it was just, it was a weird spot. He's talking about how how horrible he played, and then he and, he, and then he and he says so, and he just laughs, <laughs> and he goes I, on to the next question. 
I think the laugh, my theory on the laugh is that that is, I just gave terrible answer to the question because I didn't know what to say. And I'm <laughs> laughing at my own bad answer. That might, that, uh, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> that's my, that's my theory on that. Um, to, to get into uh, my Arby's. So I, I spent so much time on this run game story that we spent. So as people probably were sick of hearing me talk about um, on Tuesday, and I ended up really spending a lot of time talking about it, too, on Tuesday. Between all this time we spent on this podcast, I did uh, Mike Petralia's podcast, uh, Jungle Roar. Uh, we with Trags. I think I went off on the running game for about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and I did an hour with Mo on Tuesday. And I think we did a, we did a whole other thing. Uh, and the promo, promo video from Mo is me talking about the run game. The promo video from us is me talking about the run game. The promo video from the walkout was me talking about the run game. <laughs> People really, like, it's becoming a bit of a concern. And then uh, yesterday, after the story, or right around the time the story actually was, was had just been posted and was up, um, ESPN had a fantastic roundtable. Now, I don't know if this happened, when this actually happened, but I saw it. It kind of hit online yesterday, and it was Mina Kimes and Dan Orlovsky, um, Marcus Spears, mm-hmm. Ryan Clark, um, that whole roundtable group that they have talking about essentially, you know, shotgun versus under center and run game stuff and and what it all means. It was a great. It was about eight minutes long. It was a fantastic conversation with different points of view from people who have history in different places. Understand? And Mina Kimes dropped in on her day off apparently and came in and she started talking about the Bengals. And it was so fitting that she did because I had just spent so much time talking over and over again, but and breaking it down and talking to people member of the Bengals organization, including Brian Callahan, about this exact thing about how hard it is to run out of shotgun if you're if you're not one of these RPO zone read heavy teams that have a Jalen Hurts that have a Lamar that have somebody who's really dynamic as a runner, which Burrow is fine as a runner, but he's that's not where you're going to base him around. When you don't have that. You're always going to be so much better under center. And here was this fantastic conversation, an illustration of it was like hearing the conversation I'd already heard uh, before. <laughs> it was so weird. And they did such a great job. And I wanted to make sure to commend them for that. Um, but go go watch that. And if you haven't read the piece on the run game, go please go do that. There's a lot of in-depth stuff in there. But it's a really fascinating thing about I just feel like this, the way the run game is becoming more important. Uh, it's such a popular topic right now, and it's and the Bengals are really at the center of it. And it was wild to see. Boy, did we just spend an entire Tuesday where all I, I saw everywhere I went was just <laughs> run game conversation. So uh, it was it was a weird, it was a very weird day that way. But congrats, uh, it was a, a excellent job by everybody on the ESPN set. Yeah, I saw your tweet about it as I was in line at Subway, and so I, I called it up and. Uh, as I was driving to the stadium and eating my subway, I listened to it on my phone and I wasn't, I put it through the Bluetooth and I, I kind of want to go back and watch it again and watch, cause I didn't see the video part of it. I'm sure they were showing standing examples. Up and they're doing moves. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I was just listening to the audio of it. And it was, it was really good. Yeah. Really good stuff there. Uh, all right. Let's start running down this stuff so we can get out of here. Uh, growler bet time, Jay. Um, I, here, so we've got a two pronger. Two pronger for you. 
on this one, okay? Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet on Twitter, or you can email me, pdaner at theathletic.com. Just make sure you have the word growler in the subject header. That's how I search for it. Uh, and make sure you have hashtag Bengals Growler Bet if you send us something on Twitter. Uh, and if you win, you can, of course, be enjoying delicious 50 West beer, of which Home Sweet Home is out, and I am consuming in mass <laughs> quantities from my basement. Uh, it, we, the, uh, the fridge is full of Home Sweet Home. You can find it at Kroger, so the best fall beer. Just the best fall beer. Um, Bengals Growler Bet this week, Jay. Not the obvious, I think, is Lamar rushing yards. And that's what I was going to go with. Right, but I like liked, I liked an, your twist. Yeah, and I it felt like it needed a little growler bet magic, a little sprinkle, just a <laughs> little sprinkle of some some substance, some spice. So how about this? Bengals worry about Lamar going off. Baltimore's worried about Jamar going off. Jeff Hobson would appreciate this Bengals <laughs> growler bet. Jamar versus Lamar. Okay, so Jamar's receiving yards versus Lamar Jackson rushing yards. Okay, so what number is higher? Or and so you got to say you say in Lamar plus fifty or Jamar plus thirty, whichever one. And both they're wide ranges, man. Jamar's had games mm. well, just last week wasn't a ton of yards, and he's had games against the Ravens where he's gone for two hundo. Lamar the same way. He's had big games. He's had small games. But Jamar versus Lamar. It's a Butch Hobson Bengals growler bet for you. So Jay, what do you got? I'm gonna go Jamar Chase by thirty seven. I'm thinking 125 versus 88. Now, you for the growler bet, you guys don't have to pick both numbers. You just have to pick who has more and by how much. No palindrome. Yeah. It's weak. It's weak. Should I, go, should I go 33? Look, I mean, you do whatever you want to do. I just know that you have a reputation to uphold. You have <laughs> something that you typically do, and you just, like, have aborted it here. I have. It's uh, it, last year was last year. We're not here to talk about last year anymore. No, oh, okay. So you're giving up on your palindrome uh, thing. Uh, I'm, wow, I'm taking right the here on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, not doing it anymore. No more last year talk. Okay, uh, I'm going to say Jamar Chase. Uh, I think we'll have more rushing yards than Lamar. I think the Bengals will do a decent job, but uh, I'm. I do think I'm just going to say just by twenty, just twenty, twenty yards. Jama over Lama in this one. Can can I clarify? Because is it is it just Chase receiving yards or is it total yards? If he has a if he has an end just around receiving. for one run, just receiving. No okay. no Chase rushing. Yeah. Okay. Just receiving. Well, if it, you mean if he has a rush for negative one yard on. Well, I was one. giving plus one. <laughs> <laughs> it'll work eventually. No no it'll work. Just keep running it. Uh, so. That's the Bengals growler bet this week. Let's go run passer boot. Uh, um, run passer boot. We're talked a lot about the running game. You know, I like talking about the running game, Jay. So let's say, is this the game that happens? Is this the game for the breakout? Mix in yards per carry, less than three, three to four, or four plus. Averaging 2.7 at this point with the second most carries in the NFL. Hashtag 35th. I'm going to boot four plus. Yeah, I, I just, I just, they're not there yet. I, I do think that you had it 
in your story that the, the Bengals were already aware of the tipping the calls um, before the Reddit thread. But I, I do think that there is some reexamination going on with that. I, I do think it's going to look better, especially with all the attention that this Baltimore secondary is going to throw at, at the Bengals passing game. Um, so I, I'm going to I'm going to run with three to four. I'll pass on under three and I'll boot four plus. It's going to be better, but it's still not going to be great. I'm I'm running with the continued suckage. I think <laughs> less than three. I'm running with less than three, and obviously then I'm passing on three to four. I'm booting four plus. I I think it's going to be another slog, another struggle, and another day where Burrow and the receivers are going to have to go win it for them. And I think they can. I mean, Baltimore's run defense is solid, and yeah. I just don't like you said. I don't think the Bengals are there yet. And I also have another theory on this game that will support this that we'll get to in a minute. Um, okay, so run, pass, or boot. Growler bet. Jay's got stats. Primetime stats. Let's talk primetime. Sunday night football. This is Zach Taylor's first Sunday night football game. Uh, not home or away have the Bengals uh, played on Sunday night, but you know they obviously have played in primetime. Jay, you got primetime stats. And boy, are they sad. Oh, hashtag Jay's got sad stats. <laughs> this It's really pretty remarkable. They, they've they lost 11 straight primetime games on the road and 22 of 23. God damn. The only win <laughs> in that stretch was a 2013 Thursday night game at Philadelphia, which was a bad Philadelphia team. It was a close game, and the Bengals blew it open with a defensive touchdown in the fourth quarter and ran away. It was 34-13. It's remarkable. And so I looked at what what the other teams in the league have have done, and it would only go back to 2000 when you look at primetime road games. And in that, from 2000 to present, the Bengals – obviously have the worst winning percentage in the league in primetime road games at 0.045, one in 21. Obviously they lost one more before 2000 to get to that 22 out of 23. Uh, Jaguars are next worst at one in eight. That's in a one eleven win percentage. There's not a lot of teams that have winning records. Only five teams have winning records in primetime on the road. So it is hard to do, but I think it's harder to lose 22 out of 23. For entertainment purposes only, this is relevant. The team with the best primetime road winning percentage just happens to be on the road and in primetime tonight. The Indianapolis Colts, 32-19. and 19. 10 and 3 on Thursday nights, road primetime games. Just a little tip there for you guys. You will not see me, uh, you know, backing any sort of Colts units <laughs> being supported when you consider what's happening. I, I'm not on board. I just continue to read Zach Kiefer's flames directed at the organization at this point. And I, I believe <laughs> I trust Zach more than I trust Frank Reich, I think, right now. Um, a little piggyback on that. Paul's also got sad stats about primetime. So road teams on Sunday night football the last 10 years. I just did the last 10 years specifically to Sunday night football. Overall, road teams are 67, 106, and 1. That's a 38.5%, 38% winning percentage. Um, the Ravens in that span are 4-0 and on Sunday night football, including 3-1 and against the line. 
Again, Zach Taylor's teams have never played on Sunday night football, but in that same span, Bengals are 0-5. So it's tough, man. Going on the road in prime. We talked about this when the schedule came out, and they landed three road north primetime games. Mm -hmm. Say what you want. You know, and Zach Taylor didn't want to say much about it. Oh, I didn't think about that when that happened. B <laughs> S. That matters. There is there are numbers to back it up and they go way the hell back. Recent, old, whatever. Now, what I will say to contradict and produce a, a touch of optimism for those that are worn down by Jay's sad stats and my sad stats is Look, I feel like the, we learned a lot about this team because I would say playoffs and primetime have the same feel to them and have the same challenge when you're going on the road. And what the Bengals did in the playoffs on the road last year is obviously notable. I mean, at Tennessee, at Kansas City, I think tells us more about what this team can expect, what you can expect this team to look like on Sunday than the long line of sad stats that do exist. I do that is I think part of the DNA of this team. That said, you know, it's just an uphill battle when you go into prime time, especially a north rival, especially one that's got talent. Uh it's going to be a blackout. Nelly's going to be there. What's the what is the record of road teams when Nelly performs at halftime? <laughs> Tell me that. It's probably just a lot of bad old St. Louis Rams stats, but Still, I want to know that. Get that for me, Jay. Nelly Nelly played the post Super Bowl party for the Bengals. He did. He opened yeah. for Kid Cudi. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe he'll be rooting for the Bengals. Maybe. Um, I don't know about that. I think he's rooting for the people that signed his check that night, and I appreciate <laughs> that about old Nelly, who's my boy. By the way, we by the way we were going to do a bean pool and, and try to discuss. How, A, how many songs will Nelly get in? Will there be a medley? I'm going to assume medley. Mm. You only got, it's a 12-minute halftime. Okay, yeah. so figure he's probably got 10 minutes if they can really be ready to go and maybe have him up in the concourse, whatever they're going to do. 10 minutes, how many songs does he have? Is there a medley? What songs does he choose to play? And if he doesn't play country grammar, will I riot? <laughs> yes. I will. Yes. <laughs> and he, don't go getting all obsessed with hot in here. That's fine. Country grammar is your jam, Nelly. Know where your bread is buttered. That's what I'm saying. I probably know more Nelly things. songs that I don't know the names to. Like, I, I can't name the songs. Ride but with I've me. probably heard them over and over and over Must again. be the money. <laughs> I, know, yeah, I know that one. See? See? It's no anthrax, but it's got it's catchy. Didn't uh, he do a, a Bad Boys compilation? I want to know your th – if anybody – how about this? Hashtag spontaneous Bengals growler bet. <laughs> if anybody can give me the exact playlist in order, that includes all the songs included in a medley, in the order that they are played, I'll throw it in. I'll throw in some growler for you. So send it to me, hashtag Bengals growler bet, or uh, P. Daner at The Athletic with growler in the header. I, if you can do that, if you can name me the exact order – of all the songs that are played, you can knock out the playlist. Then I get you. We'll get you hooked up at Fifty West. How about that? People making are bad decisions Nelly's. and spo spontaneous YouTube bad decisions. Jay, I don't like it. 
People right. are Googling your- Nelly's publicist right now to try no, to get some inside no. information. Man, if, if we got if Nelly's publicist wants some 50 West, I'll give him some 50 West <laughs> out of my own pocket. Okay. We can do that. Uh all right, let's wrap it up with predictions. What do you got? Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go back to what I said on Tuesday's pod. It's going to be high scoring. Um, not just are the Bengals terrible in road primetime games. The the Ravens are incredible under Harbaugh. Primetime road games. Well, at home for them. At, yeah, primetime home games. Sorry. 18-2. and two. Um, I just – not only that, they've lost five straight home games for the first time in franchise history. I know that the, the Bengals will want to say that what has happened in the past has no bearing. This is a gotta have. I mean, this this could really send the Ravens south. A loss here, six straight games. You, you you fall another game behind in the division to a division opponent. I just think the the Ravens are going to find a way to pull this out. I think it's going to be close. I think the Bengals are going to cover. It's going to go over four Justin Tucker field goals. Twenty six twenty four Ravens. Wow, that is we we have not talked about this. I, it should be said. I, I I look at this. The Ravens have started fast. Their mm-hmm. problem has been closing out games. They do have offense. They will have big energy. They will have big Sunday night primetime. They will be pissed off from what happened in Buffalo last week. And the Bengals will have been riding off two wins and have had ten days hanging out and and rolling around. You know, I I, I am. I think this is a tough spot. Hmm. I think this is a tough spot for anybody. I I do throw a bit of the history out, and I, I lean more towards the Ravens have lost a bunch in a row at home. The Bengals have last year's playoff run to lean back on. I just think it's a tough spot. I think what ends up happening, I think the way this game plays out, I think we see what the way the Bengals lost the first two weeks shows up, fall behind. They're not going to like that, but – we will see the comeback. I think all Ravens fans will be saying, here we go again, and we see Burrow do it every single time they fall behind, he brings them back. Hmm. What This seems to set up for that. A blazing Burrow comeback at the end, and it's going to come down to a play or two. Probably a kick. I have Baltimore winning, though, 26-23 to 23 in overtime. Uh, and, uh, and so I, 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 do, I just think it's a tough spot. I, I think these two teams are evenly matched, and they'll continue to be neck and neck throughout the season. I think this is a tough one, a tough ask for the Bengals as they still try to get that offense functioning the way they totally want it to. And until it does, I think this is the type of games that they're not going to win yet. But God, I mean, I picked, I did pick them to win in Baltimore about this time last year. I felt better about that. I would not be stunned to see them go and take it to the Ravens. Like I, I wouldn't be stunned by that. Um, however, uh, it's just if I, I that's just kind of where my gut is with this one. I have my spreadsheet. You picked Bengals twenty four, Ravens twenty three last year. It yeah. is on record. I thought they, I thought they would win last year, and I, and that was one of the first ones where I thought people were surprised. But I, it felt like they were. You could see it. You know, I still it's just still even the wins have still felt like you haven't quite seen it with this team yet. And maybe this is the week. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a it's deja vu where that where that Ravens game becomes the week that it really becomes apparent. Joe Burrow said that yesterday. Hopefully it can be the same way this year. We shall see. That's why they play the games. Very excited. Should be a fun one. Sunday night football. 
going to be great. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening, and uh, we'll be talking to you next on the walkout from Baltimore very, very early Monday morning uh, as we get done with that one. So look for that waiting on you when you wake up on Monday. Uh, enjoy the game, everybody. And have a safe one this weekend. Talk to you later.